This recording is being made prior to worship because we're gathering in a circle this morning and I'm not sure how the, the audio will work. So, that said, I would also suggest if you're following this that you at some point take a look at the front cover of the bulletin so that you can see the image of what I'm talking about when I open this morning's comments. And this morning's brief comments would be followed or will be followed in our worship by comments from others which will not be recorded. So if it seems a bit incomplete or different, it is. That being said, these are my prepared comments. <clears throat> the picture on the front of today's bulletin was drawn by a young student following the attacks on the United States of America on 9-11. It shows Superman rising up between the towers and the planes, one hand on the nose of each jet, pushing them back, preventing all that was to follow. My first thought when I saw it was, who wouldn't want to have some superhero, maybe God, the divine superhero, intervene on that day? For that matter, who wouldn't want God to intervene more often than God does? On the Sunday following the attacks, Joe Gilmore, the senior pastor at South Presbyterian Church in Dobbs Ferry, where I was a member, led worship. In his sermon, in answer to the question, where was God on that day, his answer, God was in every bucket of broken lives and building pieces being carried down and away from the towers, God's tears falling with all the other tears shed that day and since, I would add. It was an answer, a God answer, one that doesn't explain much, but one that resonated deeply for me. An answer that makes me think of the words from Scripture that say, Do not test the Lord your God. Maybe that admonition includes, Do not expect anything we might do or do to one another to be enough to command or demand God to suddenly appear. That time will come, but in God's time. Scripture also reminds us, we know neither the time nor the place. In fact, scriptures continuously remind us of such things and continuously direct us inward to the God that is in us, the God that is always in us, somehow at peace, responding not to nor requiring intellectual demands for an explanation, generating never a response of anger or vengeance based on the deep hurt we both that is, God in us, may feel. Paul addresses events in the lives of the Jews in the first reading this morning that caused or were causes for concern about such anger and vengeance and deep hurt. We're in Romans 12, where in part he says, Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. You may notice that there are no flags displayed in this sanctuary. That is not out of defiance or disrespect, but out of the conviction of our session, our council, 
that there is but one authority in this place that goes beyond any nationalism. So the actions of governments in response to things like the attacks are not the subject of this morning's comments. They bear discussion, for sure, just not here, not now. This morning, instead, we turn to Scripture for lifting up to our consciousness the God within, the peace of God within, the peace that exceeds all understanding, understanding inadequately based too often on intellect, logic, deductive reasoning, conjecture, arguments, writing alone, in other words, words, noise, in terms of the cosmos. Frank called us to worship this morning through centering prayer with this peace of mind in mind. We need that peace, or some sense of it, to read this morning's first reading of Romans. In order to be open to the call for forbearance, we need to show to one another. Paul starts, Welcome with open arms, fellow believers, who don't see things the way that you do. In colloquial jargon, the aphorism or slogan, if you are among believers, live and let live. Together, wear life as a loose garment. Give each other a break. And then Paul, in closing himself, quotes the scripture. As I live and breathe, God says, every knee will bow before me, every tongue will tell the honest truth, that I, and only I, am God. So tend to your knitting. You've got your hands full just taking care of your own life before God. Paul's focus was in talking about how we as fellow believers need to get along with one another to stop the infighting, the arguments, get back to the basics of who we are and what we believe. In Matthew, though, Jesus ups the ante from just believers when Peter turns to Jesus and says, Jesus, how many times do I forgive a sister or a brother who hurts me? Is seven times enough? Jesus says, try 70 times seven. Not literally meant 490 times, but you keep forgiving, Peter. If you are with me, you keep forgiving until you have forgiven. And then, in Jesus' own special way, he goes on to the point, to make the case of the error of seeing forgiveness as more deserving for one than the other. The story is a familiar one. The worker who owes his ruler a huge debt begs for and receives forgiveness of the debt by the ruler, and then the worker refuses to pass on the same forgiveness to the one who owes the worker a debt. When the ruler finds out, well, the worker receives what he or she had meted out. Both Paul and Jesus' message today, in one way or the other, might be something like, you are forgiven, not because you deserve it, but because God loves you. So forgive each other and stop acting like children. Now for me, understanding God's love is like trying to understand God. There's just a small little piece I am able to grasp. Still, even in that smallest of seeds of knowing God's love, the love of God is strong in all of us. It is the core of who we are, being drawn to one another inexorably because God's love seeks communion. 
In other words, God's love is attracted to God's love, and we, bearers of that love, freely given to us, get carried with it towards one another. It is when we get caught up in whatever we do and assume to be more important that we mess things up. In the Gospel reading, Matthew closes with reference to mercy, which brings us full circle in this short discussion this morning. Matthew tells us that there must be a petition for mercy, understood in the New Testament and today as, quote, not getting what you deserve, your punishment being withheld, unquote. But the first requirement to mercy is acknowledging the grace that has been freely given to us. They go together. It is the grace, that is, getting what you don't deserve, or receiving unmerited favor, that puts it all into motion. So the process is, one might say, already ordained by God about how all of this works. In quoting Romans 12 earlier, I left out a part of it. I read, Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to God. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. And this is the part I left out. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. And back to what I read. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. The coals burning on the head refer to the power of forgiveness and caring for our enemies. However we do it, prayer being enough, even if that is all we can do. The point is that through this forgiveness, just as coals burning on someone's head is enough to make them move from the fire, well, some might say that such is the power of forgiveness to change others for those who are our fellow believers, disenfranchised sisters and brothers, and especially, it seems, our enemies, so that they will turn, they will seek petition for mercy, and we will pass it on to others unconditionally, the grace freely given to us, which we ourselves do not deserve, we freely share with others in this process. Which some might say places us all walking alongside one another in the love of God we barely know, and is still quite more than it seems we can handle. Such, for me, maybe for you, is the love of God that passes all understanding, the peace that it brings, and our charge to share it with all, family, friends, and enemies alike. Maybe God is more apparent than we think. Perhaps it's just our thinking getting in the way that tells us otherwise. Maybe it is we that, in fact, are God's superheroes for real. Amen.